Hello and welcome to your Liverpool FC podcast. I'm Andy Kelly. I'm joined today by James Pearce, by Neil Jones and by Paul Philbin. And we're here to reflect on what felt like an absolutely brilliant weekend for Liverpool. An away win at Chelsea and uh, James, it really felt like it brought the feel good factor back to the club. Certainly did, yeah. I think it had been a long time since you'd seen Liverpool's away support celebrating like that. Um, you know, after a pretty bleak 18 months in many ways and... Um, there was a it was a special day all round. I think uh, it was you know, there were still things about the performance that you could you could pick holes in. Certainly the first half an hour, but um, the way that they rallied after that and then went on to completely dominate that second half. Um, there were good value for the win. You know, despite obviously Mourinho's complaints about obviously you could point to the fact that maybe Lucas was a bit fortunate to stay on. And um, but uh, but no, there was there was a gulf between the teams, and it's been a while since. You could say that when Liverpool have gone head to head with, with one of the, uh, the big teams in the Premier League, and uh, yeah, I think you know if the the midweek win over Bournemouth in the League Cup, you know, gave everyone a bit of a lift, the first win of Klopp's reign, but you know that win at Stamford Bridge was 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 really the result that ignites it um, in terms of the Germans' reign. Jonesy, the. Uh... The, the thing was, after that early goal for Chelsea, you thought that's the worst thing. Uh, you know, they were a team lacking in confidence and then, you know, some poor defender from Liverpool gave them the lead. And I think the, the most heartening thing for most Reds was the fact that actually, we not only did we score three goals, but we came from behind to, to win the game, which is not something that's been uh, been happening very often recently. No, the first time they've done it in the league, away from home for, for almost 11 months, less than I think in December of, uh, of last year was the last time they've done it. I mean, that... In itself is is a psychological barrier that they've overcome. They've also won away at one of the, the the traditional big boys as well. I think that's the first time as well for you know since they beat Manchester United um, in the in the obviously the great season. So you're looking at you're looking at those hurdles and you think okay well you know how long have we been talking about those? How long have we been saying that Liverpool don't score more than one goal? They don't they don't handle going behind. You know you think about it. That was four minutes. Liverpool barely touched the ball. They'd made loads of errors. They made a few after it as well. The one 0 down against Chelsea. It's easy for us to imagine writing articles about how Liverpool capitulated and threw in the towel and finished losing two or three nil. But I think what they did was they worked out pretty much halfway through the first half that this Chelsea team isn't very good and or isn't playing very well at all. And I think once they'd worked that out, it was. It was a lot easier. It looked a lot more comfortable for them. They, they dominated, you know, possession and territory-wise in the first half. I mean, didn't really create much, and then you get the equaliser. And in the second half, I think I saw Rio Ferdinand tweet during the game. I think he said only one team's come here to try and win, and that was that. Pretty much sums it up. Liverpool, Liverpool went to look to get a win. Chelsea took off, you know, Eden Hazard at one stage, and you thought they don't really, they don't really feel like they can win this game, or you know, that they're happy with the draw. And yeah, it was, it was just. It was just bizarre to see a Liverpool team really that sort of looked like it, it believed they could win a game of that size. Paul, the, um, lots of pictures of you and your brother on the front row of that away and uh, 3,000 strong on uh, Saturday. You looked to be enjoying the win. But, um, the, uh, I mean, Neil talks about Hazard going off. I'm sure there was uh, you know, plenty of people in the way. I'm very happy to see the back of him because he's been a bit of a pest to us in the past, hasn't he? Yeah, well, the first question I was asking was like, I hear that right, Hazard's gone off because when you're lower, Stafford Bridge, you can hardly see it past the halfway line. But um, yeah, as soon as he went off, like everyone was buoyant in the crowd. It was just like, oh, this goal's coming. Because even though Hazard hasn't been great this season, he's got that moment in him that 
come in again. But yeah, he was bored on uh, Saturday, and as soon as he went off, it was certain that we were going to get the three points. Um, like on the fans, like I've never, well, not never, but it's been a while since there's been a confidence and an arrogance amongst the fans before the game. It was like we're going down here, we're getting the three points, and we're getting off. That's how I felt like right throughout today. It was great. And the, um, I mean, you were saying to me, it was. It felt like we haven't had many to compare it to anyway. But it, it felt like, Jonesy mentioned earlier that uh, that last big away win at United in the in the title challenge season. It, yeah, it felt like the best in stand, didn't it? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Like the celebrations, I haven't been in an end that celebrates like that since that United game because there were people falling over chairs over the barrier. But it was madness. It was brilliant. Like, hopefully, more to come soon as well. Jim, so you, we talk about Hazard as, as you know, as Paul says, the player who can you know produce that minute match, even if he's had a poor game and indeed you know for many a poor season so far. Our own uh, version of that a little bit is Philippe Coutinho. Uh, lots of people, uh, supporters, you know, um, pundits, everything else, thinking you know it might be time to uh, to drop him, give him a rest. Um, but you know, even when he you know. Even in the first half, when he wasn't, you know, particularly impressive, he still had that, uh, you know, that that moment of magic right at the end of it, and, and that that was the moment that changed the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was because I, I think it completely transformed Jurgen Klopp's team talk. Because I think you know, we, we we were very close to Klopp himself and Neil in the first half because where, where the press box is at Chelsea, you, you're literally just behind the dugouts, and he was absolutely furious with a lot of what he saw in the first half, especially James Milner and Nathaniel Klein. Maybe it was possibly because they were the two closest to him for a lot of it, but they they copped it. Um, you know, he was fuming, I think, one, in terms of how slow Liverpool were reacting when they lost the ball, uh, and secondly, when they were in possession. he was You could see he was like jumping up and down with rage at how slow they were they were moving it. Um, you know, and uh, you, you were watching it, and, and it was an, as an attacking force in that first half, Liverpool showed very little, and I thought Firmino did all right. You know, I think he improved uh, the longer the game went on, but... With him dropping deep, obviously playing as a makeshift uh, number nine, there wasn't really that focal point in attack, and you did wonder where the goal was going to come from. And then you know he, he, it was it was right out of the top draw from Coutinho, wasn't it? You know I think you know, he uh, he hadn't scored since the opening day at Stoke, um, and and he pulled one out the bag. And uh, to be honest, from that moment on, it, it felt like there was only going to be one winner. And I know from speaking to Coutinho and speaking to Lana afterwards in in the mix zone when. Uh, they said that you know the, the message from Klopp at half time was this game's there to be won. You know, we're, we're, you know you've got to believe that you can go and get those three points now. And I think it would have been very different if, if Coutinho hadn't hadn't done that. And you know you talked about the early goal giving Chelsea a lift. Well, that that absolutely killed them and deflated them that that Coutinho strike. And then uh, you know the second half was very very impressive. Uh, I think Klopp's got to take a lot of credit for the way he set the team up. You know, I thought Skirtle handled Costa brilliantly. It was controlled aggression where sometimes in the past he's been rash um, with some of his challenges. And then once Benteke came on, they, they just couldn't handle him. And, uh, you know, I think if Benteke had been fit enough to start the game, uh, you know, I think Liverpool would have won at an absolute canter. Jonesy, you wrote a piece yesterday about Klopp's tactics in the game. And it felt afterwards Klopp spent most of his press conferences before the game talking about how Benteke would be fit. It feels like he likes to... Um, you know, keep every everybody, including the opposition, guessing as to what his lineup's going to be. He then used a system which, effectively, with Firmino dropping off, gave him an extra man to 
given that huge benefit of possession in the first half, but we didn't have that cutting edge. But it felt he was gone on our, we'll keep the ball, keep it tight, and then I'm going to unleash the big yeah. fella and see how he does. Yeah, I, I think I think with hindsight, it made a lot of sense because you look and think if Ben Seke only had maybe less than less than 70 minutes in and more, you know, 65, 70 minutes, are you going to... Are you going to kill the game by that time against Chelsea with him starting? Probably not. So then you've got to 65 minutes, you may be one up or you're level and you have to take your striker off because he's got to go off and all of a sudden you sort of surrender the initiative. Whereas I think he did feel that they could stay in the game at the very least and then have the, the half-hour burst from him which could actually go and win the game as it, as it transpired. And I think that, that sort of... It, it, was a, it was a bold move because, you know, me and James, you know, we were walking through uh, Houston Station when we were told that, that Ben Seke looks like he was going to be on the bench just by, you know, just by a passerby. He said, oh, he looks like Firmino starting up front. We were a bit surprised, you know, thought, oh, you know, does that sort of make it a bit difficult? And then I thought, I, I you know, James, James said he'd done all right. I thought he'd done better than all right for me. You know, I thought he had a really good game. I, I thought he was very, very intelligent. He got into good positions. He, he yeah, occupied sort of all four of Chelsea's defenders at separate times. You think about Origi when he's played there, and he's you, you wouldn't know it. You couldn't find him on the pitch, you know. And I think Firmino was always showing. He was always available. He was always sort of he's not going to win headers and things like that, but he was always backing in, trying to trying to sort of make a nuisance of himself. And I thought he I thought he acquitted himself in in an unfamiliar role very well, albeit the real you know the real good stuff happened after Benteke was brought on and they got a few runners around. Him. Paul, was there any concern among the, um, you know, the away support when the team sheet came out and no Ben Teke, who you know most of us had expected, you know, once he'd got over the scan and everything that he would start, and you know there didn't look to be a huge number of goals in the team, which you know to be honest has been the case for a wee, wee bit too long recently. No, uh, there were concerns, but a few people were puzzled because I, I, in the media it was oh, Ben Teke is fit. That, that's what Klopp had said, and then when you saw the team sheet and he weren't there, you're like, oh, why hasn't he started? And to be fair to Klopp, it looks like, well, he did get his tactic spot on, stay in the game, and then bring him on. And that was one of the best cameos I've seen in a long time. From a striker, his size, you want to hit, like, make a play and know that he's there, 30 seconds in, and go, does it with Zuma? Win everything in the air, does that. Scored a goal and it was perfect. And now, hopefully, he's fit enough to aim from the start. I think the big thing was as well that you know, you think think back to the sort of Stoke game at the start of the season and the, the Bournemouth game to a lesser extent. And I can remember Jordan Henderson and James Miller just pinging the ball up to him just because Ben Seke is up there, you've got to get the ball up to him, haven't you? And there was nobody, he was basically just contesting it with three defenders around him. This time, you look at Sacco's one for the second goal. It's a diagonal ball, and he's got two. He's got Lallana, he's got Coutinho. He's probably got Firmino sort of, you know, dropping off a little bit for it as well. So he's got three players he can nod the ball down to. He's pulled onto the smallest defender. He knocked it down, and Liverpool get a goal out of it. So, you know, it happened a couple of times as well. So He can do it off his chest as well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, 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 he's not a bad footballer, you know. Yeah. He's, he's, he's certainly not, but it's just that that Liverpool sort of... Showing a little bit of evidence, Southampton game as well, and and this one that they might just be working out how to how to play with a, a big, you know, powerful front man up there as well. James Firmino's, you sort of think Klopp probably couldn't have trusted Firmino to do the role that he did, 
uh, barring the fact that he'd he'd obviously put in a you know a very good performance against Bournemouth in uh, in in midweek and. That was, you know, we saw a bit of him uh, earlier in the season on, under Brendan Rodgers away at Arsenal, uh, where he sort of nearly put one on a plate for Benteke, then he creates it by check. But, you know, with his injury and everything else, we hadn't seen a lot of him, and we were just starting to get that fear, is he another bust? Yeah. And I think he's certainly, for a, for now, he, he's put that to bed, hasn't he? You know, he, some really nice touches on uh, on Wednesday night against Bournemouth. Uh, really good length, length to the play, and you know Klopp said afterwards, you know he's normally a good finisher. He should have scored on Wednesday, and uh, but you sort of think when he gets those opportunities again, you sort of think he is someone who's going to find the score sheet for us. Yeah, he's had a, he's had a great week, and I think probably the worry probably prior to the the Bournemouth game is when you'd seen it, you were thinking, what, what where does he fit in? What does he actually do? Because when we'd seen him certainly under Rodgers in the early stages of the season, you were thinking he's, he's not particularly quick. You know, he's, he's not particularly strong. He, he doesn't seem to have that, you know, that great burst of pace or like real like boxer tricks in the Coutinho mould. And you know, he obviously he'd had, he'd had that one that had hit the hit the post, but you know, he hadn't shown much of a threat in the final third. And you know, I think we learned probably at Old Trafford he's certainly not a winger. Um, you know, he was com- completely on the periphery uh, in, uh, in that game. Um, but yeah, I think Bournemouth was was massive for him because I think you know, although he didn't score, you only had to see the reception he got when he came off. You know that that was a massive confidence boost for him. Um, you know, and then Emery Cham was talking today about um, you know the, going through something similar to Firmino, obviously making that leap from German football to the Premier League, and and also you know he wasn't helped by the injury, you know, cracking a bone in his back against Carlisle, um, and Cham went through something similar where you know he got an injury in pre-season that that, that wrecked his chances of hitting the ground running. Um, so I think you know it's bound to be that adaptation period. But the the, the huge thing is now we are seeing signs of what everyone was so excited about in the summer when Liverpool completed that £29 million deal with Hoffenheim because uh, you know, he, he has made a big contribution and uh, you know, hopefully now he can, he can really push on. Jonesy, you were in, we, should, we won't dwell on him too much because this is a Liverpool podcast, but uh, you were in uh, Mourinho's uh, press conference afterwards. Uh, you, know, he, he, you can't argue with, the, with his achievements in the game and everything else, but... Uh, He's a random fellow uh, at the back end, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah, I think I think uh, a few Liverpool fans have other different kinds of adjectives to describe him. I think but, I was being polite. Yeah, exactly. We have to be, don't we? No, I, I was. Um, as James said, you, you're very close to the dugouts uh, at um, at Chelsea when you're in the press box, and we were there for the League Cup semi-final, second leg, and it was the first time I'd been at Sanford Bridge and seen Mourinho up close, and. I, 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 the, the way I describe it is I've played Saturday League and Sunday League and you have them teams and they've got someone on the line and you just think oh what are you you know just <laughs> give, give it a rest give you know like how do you, you know I've said it to teams when I've played against how do you put up with him stood on that sideline you know, like, he's, he, he's, he's he's arrogant he's egotistical he's he's nasty he's like you know he's he's a bully you can see that he's got them tendencies that he you know he's He's abusive. Seen him do that, and, and I think he's he's also very aware of of the power of of Mourinho. Of, of when he waves his arms, he's going to be on the camera. You know, it's not going to be like if Alex Neil does it or Eddie Howe does it or someone like that. When Mourinho does it, it's going to get seen, and people are going to talk about it. And you know, he was furious a couple of times when Jurgen Klopp had the temerity to sort of question a decision. And you know, we saw him. 
saw him. We actually, I actually heard him say to the, the fourth official, "If that was me," and he was pointing to the stands, he would say, "If that was me, I'd be sent off." And he claimed afterwards that the fourth official told him to shut up, or I will send you off. Which <laughs> I, I, I hope that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that is true. But his, his press conference, and we watched it on the on the screen that he'd, he'd done his BT Sport, where he'd answered every question with, "I've got nothing to say." And then he came in, and I think the first thing he said was, "I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the game. I prefer to listen." And so, so the, the next thing someone said, "Well, oh, how can a Chelsea team then go from the champions to being that?" And he said, "Did you were you born? Were you born today?" And you know, so he's not. He doesn't want to listen. He obviously doesn't want to listen. He, you know, he wants he wants everything his own way. He's not getting it at the moment. And I, I'm sure Paul will, will uh, have more to say on this. But it must have been pretty nice to be in that away end to be singing. You're getting sacked in the morning, and you're not special anymore because right now he. His team isn't special anymore, and he, his behaviour certainly isn't. It's it's got beyond the stage where you think it's just Mourinho distraction. Team's playing badly. I'll take I'll take it. Take all the pressure off the team. Uh, I'll say something outrageous. Do something silly. It'll all be about me. No one. Everyone will forget we weren't very good, and we'll move on. It's um it's better than that, isn't it? At the minute, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, it seems like everyone's getting tired of him now. So like when he first come back to Chelsea. A lot of people have made up, oh, Mourinho's back, he's going to be great with the media. But it's boring. Like, now it's the same thing every three days. Whose fault is it? Who have you got next week? You don't know. Like, it'll be one of the players they've got next week. Uh, one of the, uh, the managers who have to play next week. But, um, yeah, as Neil said then, um, you're getting sacked in the morning and you're not special anymore. Was nice. I won't sing the songs myself because I think they're quite generic and soccer AME. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, and there's no more cleaner damnation than no, that. No, no. And so yeah. I won't sing them. But when others were singing them, it did feel quite nice. Well, we'll put, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll park Chelsea there if we can, and uh, and move on, James. And uh, early morning start for you tomorrow. As you start the long. The donkey trail to uh, automobiles. yes across Europe uh, to Ruben Kazan and we head back into the Europa League. Um, you spoke to uh, Adam Lallana after the game on Saturday, and he was saying, you know, we've that that's that's an improvement in our Premier League form, and now we need to kick on and do something better in Europe because three games, three draws so far. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't really got going yet. Is it this this Europa League campaign? I think three. Pretty underwhelming games, three underwhelming results um, in a in a bang average group, really. Um, so uh, you know, I think it's a it's a bit of a difficult position. That I think Klopp finds himself in for this one because I think ideally he'd have wanted to have left, you know, the, the most of his key players at home, um, you know, and in, in the hope that you know by this point in the group Liverpool would be in a better position and to qualify. Uh, but I'm not sure he can really. I think I think he has to ensure. The only Liverpool have to win this game, but they have to ensure they get something from it. You know, you you look at it and you almost think, see on, you know, having beaten Bordeaux, probably will beat them. I think they beat them away, didn't they? So yeah. they'll probably beat them at home this week. Um, so you just need to get something from the Kazan game and then and then back yourself to to, to do enough in the last two to get through. Um, but I don't think he can afford to put out the kind of team that he probably would want to put out. Um, and you know, especially you know, not ideal having a five thousand mile round trip, three days before a, a big Premier League game. Um, but you know, I think the positive thing is, you know, we, we saw last week against Bournemouth that 
you know, it'll be another opportunity for some of those players. You, know, you wonder whether the likes of Conor Randall and, and Brannigan, who obviously did themselves no harm over there. Lovren obviously needs a game. Joe Allen, Jordan Ibe, Origi. You know, you'd have thought those kinds of players would come into his, his plans, but he, he has to ensure it's strong enough to get something. Because uh, you know, as we saw Anfield, I think... I think, it, I think Kazan surprised a few people, really. You know, they're a better team than certainly I thought they would be. You know, they're 12th in the Russian league. Um, all the talk before had been about you know, how they'd fallen on hard times and now they, you know, a lot of the investment's gone out of the club. But, you know, the fact that Liverpool couldn't beat them at Anfield with, with an extra man for an hour you know, uh, shows you how difficult it's going to be. Coupled with the fact, I think, Kazan have only lost one of their last 12 uh, home games in Europe. So, uh, yeah, it's a difficult assignment in difficult conditions because... Uh, I need to pack the thermals because it's about minus two over there at the moment. The Jonesy, the, uh, the Kazan of the three teams we've seen in Europa League, I, I would suggest have looked the best of the opposition we saw. And you yeah. got the impression of with the, albeit he wasn't here for all three games, but you got the impression that Klopp, perhaps if not surprised, was certainly aware that they'd been a reasonably quality team when he spoke afterwards uh, at Anfield after that game. Uh, but are we now in a situation where we thought we would be at the start of the year a wee bit where we were looking at our squad and thinking, actually, we've probably got two players roughly from most positions now. That got weakened a little bit by loans and other th- and injuries, of course, uh, which have, have, have hit the squad. But we have a few players, you would think, who haven't necessarily been starting, who would come in and potentially you wouldn't be expecting a massive drop in quality in those changes. Uh, oh. That, I'll throw that one at you. Yeah, no, I'm, I probably would err toward no on that one in terms of I think there would be a noticeable drop off between you know whoever's coming in for Lucas and whoever's coming in for Coutinho, you know whoever Lovren comes in for, you know there's no there's no fullback cover is there in terms of you know a senior player who's going to come in. Conor Randall had a you know encouraging first game, but you know. He's going to have ups and downs as well if he plays a certain amount of games. I think there's, there's, I can agree with James. It's a really tough, tough balancing act. And I just spoke to John Aldridge for his column, and he said exactly the same. He said, you know, Crystal Palace on Sunday is a massive game for Liverpool, just just to sort of cement progress, you know, in the Premier League, and you know, get back-to-back wins, which we obviously haven't had often enough, nearly often enough in the last twelve months. So, I think you look at. Some of them, and you think, yeah, obvious, obvious changes. I can come in. He looks seem to be back to some something like form. Yeah. Um, you'd probably suggest that Lucas would have to miss out because I think he's someone who really needs carefully looking after. You'd probably suggest that one of the centre backs will drop out, one of the full backs will drop out, whether it's Klein, who hasn't had the rest this season, or whether it's Moreno, who probably is the is the inferior of the two, but. There's options there, but I, I would I would suggest a smattering of changes rather than wholesale changes. I think I yeah. think I think it'll be more more in tune with the sort of the sort of team that he put out, um, or the, the sort of team that was put out in in the, the league compared to the teams that have been put out against teams like Bournemouth. Paul, the um, I'm, I know you've travelled to uh, to Bo- to Bordeaux, but. Uh, I, 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 Imagining the brothers Philbin are giving Kazan a swerve. Um, But we, you know, as Neil refers to, we have this looming game against Palace, who've been a bit of a bogey team, albeit you know, often at 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 their place. But uh, obviously, you know, 
ruined the party on uh, on Gerrard's last game last season. And there will be. Um, we know they're a decent team. They should have beat United on the weekend, you would think. And uh, you know they'll be a real threat at uh, at Anfield on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it still feels like we all Palace one. Yeah. Like from the three three game and also the Gerard game. Obviously we beat them in the FA Cup last season, but there's still that feeling that we do older one. And if we have a full strength side out on Sunday, we should be okay. Palace have hit a bit of a blip. Recently, but they got a good result against United um, on Saturday. But they have, they have got a good side, and the likes of Kabai and Balassi will cause us threats. But on our day, if we play well, Klopp should get his first league win at Anfield. James, is it, is it a mark perhaps of the of the Klopp effect that you know that we go into these games now? Whatever you think of the decision to. To remove Brendan Rodgers and you know uh, bring Klopp in, but what he has got is delivered confidence both among seemingly among his team, but also among the supporters that you know these games that sometimes you were looking down the fixture list and go, oh, Palace, bloody hell, we always you know likely could potentially drop points there. Southampton, they'll be a threat. You know, uh, obviously you know they came and got you know and, and got a decent draw, but you sort of go into these occasions sort of thinking. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he's he's going to be able to, to do something here that will get us what we need. Yeah, I think that there has been a huge change in mindset. And I think certainly amongst the supporters, and he, you know, it's been interesting that Klopp's spoken a lot about trying to change that mindset among, in his squad as well. Um, you know, talking about almost like the kind of mental baggage of 18 months of struggle and, you know, the body language when, you know, I know you referred to it after Southampton's equaliser recently, when he, when he rather than seeing that reaction of, We've got seven minutes here to save it. It was that you know, shoulders shrugging. Here we go again. It's, it's happened again, kind of thing. Um, but I, th- yeah, I think I think that's why that win at Chelsea is massive because you know, I think under Rodgers, I think it was one win in fourteen uh, away to kind of top four clubs. Um, you know, and it, and it you know it was it was just that that, that solitary win at Old Trafford, and you know, I think no wins against Chelsea in in eight prior to the weekend. So I think. That is why it's a massive step forward for the, for that group of players because to come from behind and win a game and to come from behind and win a game in an environment like that when the stakes were high, um, you, you could just tell from the scenes afterwards. You know, obviously Paul was in the away end and you know the players, the manager, the fans all united together. Um, you know, we saw in the title challenging season just how significant that can be when you get momentum going. And when everyone everyone is all all together fighting for the same thing, and Liverpool have got that at the moment, and you know, that's why that, that suddenly you, you have this change of mindset where you know, it's not you're not looking for for reasons why you think you might lose. You you're going in with that confidence that you can you can sweep a team aside. Johnsy, just we won't dwell on it very much because uh, we'll, we'll finish up. But uh, a, a foreign journalist, I think it was, had the temerity to ask uh, Klopp after the game. You know, is, is the title challenge on? Um, uh, we won't. We won't even think about uh, about that. But I think most Reds will have looked at the table on match of the day on on Saturday night, or indeed on match of the day two last night, and they'd have been looking up rather than looking down. And um, you know, that's all you can say really. There's there's a there's a table to be climbed there, and there's a couple of teams up there at the moment that you suspect yeah. uh, and would hope. Won't be there for the duration. Yeah, absolutely. His reply to the, the the title challenge was, "Are you crazy? I've been <laughs> here three weeks. 
and uh, I think I think that sums it up. You know, it was a good win. It was a good good win against a team that's struggling and a team that's not infallible at home this season as well. So you know, let's let's factor that into it. But do we think that Leicester are going to be in the top four come the end of the season? Do we think West Ham are going to be up there? Do we think you know teams like that? Do we think Tottenham are going to sustain the, the type of form that they've been on? I, I, I would suggest not. So there's definitely an opening there. You look at you look at City and Arsenal playing pretty well at the moment, and then you look at United. You you know I I don't know where they get their points from. United, you know I don't know, I didn't know where they got it last season. I don't know where they get it this. They just they're just there. They, they almost seem like they bought a few and they just sort of they're just letting them whittle out. You know they they don't seem to ever impress. So. Why? Why not? Why not look up the table? Why not look? You know, uh, in the, in the actual in the interview I did with with Jurgen after the game, after the press conference, he was asked about the top four, and he provoked a similar reaction. He shrugged his shoulders and said, "Why are you all obsessed with the top four? Why do you always talk about it?" Well, you know, that's unfortunately that's the aim that Liverpool are looking at this season, and it's certainly it's certainly gettable, and you know, a good result on on Sunday in Anfield will, will you know, you'll get you'll be getting asked about it again. Well, let's hope we get it. Let's hope uh, uh, we get a good result on Thursday as well. James Pierce is off to pack his thermals. The rest of us are off to stock the fridge. This has been your LFCP, LFC podcast. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra en base bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand, 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewustweek. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op, geld lenen kost geld.